Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Gordon Leopard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Good to be here today, guys. Yeah, we are excited to be here. John is out gallivanting around on vacation, I guess, you know. Uh, out and about. No, nah, not me. He's just, he's out working. Not not, not, not in the uh, studio here this morning. But, you know, Gordon and I, we have the wheel here, and it's going to be a fun day. we got some right. great information, and we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m., and we're streaming live on moneymd.net you can uh, click in the upper right hand corner of our website and you can listen to us anywhere in the world anywhere Um, anytime no reason not to get your prescription exactly no reason not to listen to money doctors also we'd love to have your questions so do check us out on your on our website moneymd.net where you can link to us there you can send us your questions or you can link to us directly by email at info at moneymd.net well gordon i think we have an awesome show lineup for the day but before we get into that you know, this is election day for the Republican primary. In South Carolina, it is an election day uh, for, in, like you said, the Republicans. In South Carolina, right. And sure. uh, should be interesting to see how things I guess Georgia's Super Tuesday, isn't it? Is Georgia in Super Tuesday? I'm not sure. I think they are. I think they're part of that. So uh, a few weeks away for that one. That's right. Um, but, you know, it's heating up, and uh, it's going to be a, uh interesting contest. It's going to be a doozy, as they would say sometimes. No doubt. Uh, and it's the Republicans, and the Democrats are a week away. That's right. Uh, uh, Democratic primary is going to be next Saturday, which is February 27th. Right. Uh, so, so, again, that's going to be another interesting. A lot going on. Right. I mean, we are really in the throes of political season here, but never fear. There is still great financial advice here, and uh, – Regardless of how you feel about the politics of what's going on, um, you still are in control of your money. That's right. Something that you can you can take control of for now. That's right. <laughs> that didn't sound like a very positive positive comment. Well, we we were just kind of I was kind of spinning off the political uh, thing that we were just talking about. But yeah, you're right, Steve. Right now we do uh, we still have control to make good decisions or not. And and this is where we come into play. Absolutely. We are here every Saturday like today. We have some great advice for you. We have some great topics to talk about. You know, the first one in this down market, well, go ahead. No, no, no. I, the, I, you the, were about to lead right into yeah, it. Yeah, the first one in this down market is one that we've been getting lots of questions about here recently, and that is, has diversification failed us? Huh. You know, I mean, the question comes up, is diversification working? My investments seem to be down as much or more than the market in general. Right. What's happened here? So we're going to address that question because we get that question quite frequently, and uh, there are some great answers for it. Yeah, and then we're going to take a look at best credit cards today. Now, that kind of sounds like an oxymoron a little bit. It does. We're not credit card fans. Yeah, but for those that, you know, 
that's their thing. We're going to touch on a few uh, that have some benefits with them, you know, some cash back incentives and different things, and just address um, address that from another angle. Yeah, exactly. And then we're going to finish it up about the seven lessons from past presidents. That's right. right. Staying right along with kind of the political theme here. You know, we're in the presidential uh, campaigning season. We're going to take a look back at what uh, several presidents throughout history have said just about some basic money principles and principles, leadership principles in general. Exactly. And there's some great ones in there. I, I love some of those comments and some of those <laughs> blurbs that past presidents have said that yeah. are ring so true today. So right. stick with us for that. Okay, we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. All right, financial fact of the week. Unemployment dropped to 4.9% last month. And, you know, that's the lowest rate since 2008, actually January of 2008. So, you know, there's 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 a little bit of positive uh, news there for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 4.9% is a pretty low rate. I mean, that's getting close to full employment. You know, somewhere between the 45 to 5% range, the Labor Department calls that full employment. Yeah. And now, having said that, the underemployment rate is still very high. It's still over very 10. True. I believe it's over 10% for people that are are still looking for the right job. They're they're not working in their profession, or they're working part time. Right. And wages have stagnated. Yeah. So there's still a long way to go in the in the labor department and the in the the wages and, and unemployment. Um, Just in the job market area. in general. Job market yeah. exactly. However, that is a positive sign. That's the lowest rate we've had in unemployment since 2008. Um, that that's certainly uh, you know it's certainly moving in the right direction. So hopefully you know that's going to start. We're going to start seeing that filter down to the stock market and and to the economy in general. So that's right. uh, yeah, good financial fact there certainly is. Okay, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is talking about diversification. Has diversification failed us, um, well, Steve? Has it? Certainly not, Gordon. Certainly not. I mean it. It, it it does appear that way from certain advantage points, certain perspectives, but we got to step back and we got to look at the big picture, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, many people are asking this question. You know, has diversification failed? Is it still working? You know, they ask why is it that the Dow is down twelve percent and Moss dozen stock funds are down maybe fifteen percent right. if they're all in stocks. Right. Um, you know, also, um, when the, the Dow goes back up some, I seem to not go up as much as the Dow when it recovers. Why is that? Um, you know, these are perfectly legitimate questions. Many people are asking those questions. And what they're really asking is, has diversification failed? It doesn't help anymore. You know, it would be easy to draw that conclusion when you look at the returns within a portfolio like, you know, probably yours out there listening um, in this down market. It is certainly true that the Dow and the S&P 500 are not down as much as other stock asset classes during this downturn. So most mutual funds are down more, most stock mutual funds are down more than the S&P 500. Um, It's also true, though, that most stock mutual funds were down more than the Dow and the S&P 500 during 2008. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and other bear markets, in fact. And so why is that? And is that a recent phenomenon? That's really the question. And, well, believe it or not, this is this is nothing new. I mean, people have the same questions in every down market. And, in fact, it's a little bit unusual if U.S. large stocks, 
that that would be blue chip stocks, you know, right. big large companies that you know of, if they don't hold up the best in a down market. Well, and the reason I asked the question the way I did a moment ago, Steve, to you is because I knew that you were going to have some answers for us. Absolutely. You know, and that we were just going to kind of walk through this and uh, explain a little more clearly to our to our listeners. You know, it, it's called flight to quality or flight to safety. You know, when markets get dicey, people naturally tend to favor the bigger, more established blue-chip stocks like you were talking about uh, that everyone knows. The perception is that they're safer, and in fact, they are safer than other stock asset classes to a degree. That's right. Uh, However, that's not the whole story. Even big blue-chip stocks are not nearly as safe as most bond or fixed asset classes. But by the same token, even blue-chip stocks like, uh, you know, the large U.S. companies we were talking about, they can be very risky if you only have a few of them. Uh, in your portfolio. And I know we've talked with several people. We've seen that many times. You see, diversification has more than one facet. It's kind of like beautiful diamond, you know? That's right. Uh, there's, there's several different facets which make it valuable. Uh, the first and most important facet is being diversified in many different stocks instead of only just a few. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and for an example of that, you know, when I first got in this business, Back some 20 years ago, um, I came from the world of chemical engineering, so right. I was a little more analytical than a little most more detailed folks in this, in this business. Exactly. I really didn't get the whole diversification thing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so I, I learned very, very quickly when I went back to school, got my certified financial planning uh, certificate. <clears throat> but I used to read Investor's Business Daily before I got in this business. And uh, one of the phrases that the founder of that uh, used to use was, diversification is a hedge against ignorance. <laughs> you know, that was one of his favorite phrases. Right. You know, it's a stock picking type phrase that he used. And it sounded right to me. You know, I mean, why was diversify why would you diversify if uh you could pick winners out um instead? You know, why why spread your money out, you know, if you could just pick out the winners and do better? Well, my first year in the business I quickly began to see that you better hedge against ignorance when it comes to stock picking because everybody is ignorant when it comes to that. So you're saying there's no crystal ball. There is no crystal ball. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, it's a big surprise here. Yeah, I would follow up on leads, you know, of people that had expressed some interest, and I would call on folks. And one day I called a guy who had just retired. He had a substantial retirement, um, and he had all that money in one little energy stock. He mm. had a half million dollars all in this one little company that I happened to know something about back right, then right. called Arrakis Energy. It's a weird little company, and the stock was a small company, and it, I had happened to have followed it right. in Investor's Business Daily on their, their paper. And uh, it was very volatile, but it seemed to be on its way up. And this guy, he had listened to me talk about diversification and how we did it, and he agreed, but then he said, you know, soon. You know, yeah, as soon as it gets back up to maybe where I got in at, I'll, I'll get out. It was basically his mantra and um you know so i kept calling him and talking to him every few weeks and same story would come back you know yeah i'll i'll, I'll soon i'll, I'll just be getting a little just more a little bit more you just couldn't let go of the greed yeah. there of trying to get hit the big score um that really gotten the best of him he couldn't bring himself to make a change he would talk about this being the last time and he would you know it was going to try for the big score and uh, he was going to diversify after it went up a little bit more. So I'll continue this story when we come back mm, from the break. We'll see what a good there. one. Yeah. Hang on for that. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 
706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor with Richard Young Associates, along with me, and we are continuing our discussion here before the break um, about diversification. That's right. You, know? you, you were telling a very interesting story about a gentleman that was a little bit overloaded in one particular area. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, well, you know, just backing up, I mean, the question is, has diversification failed us? Right. You know, I mean, that is a very common question we're getting nowadays from folks since we're in the middle of a bear market and or or a down market that's close to a bear market. And, you know, certainly for a lot of people, if you are in a a portfolio of mutual funds that are mostly in stocks, you might find yourself down more than the S&P 500 or or the Dow itself. Right. Uh, And there are some good reasons for that. So we're going to talk about that. But I was just going through... You know, a story we're talking about what diversification really means. And the first facet of diversification is being diversified into a lot of stocks, not just one stock. Okay, because one stock, anything can happen to one stock. And and so when I first got in this business, as I mentioned, I was talking to a gentleman one day who was all in one stock. He just retired, had half a million dollars, all sitting in one little energy stock that I happened to know something about because I had followed it before and this little energy stock you know was up big and very volatile little stock and i kept talking to this guy every couple weeks and he would not he would not agree to diversify that and to sell out of that stock he was just rolling the dice with just a little more company a little longer more and he kept telling me oh yeah i I agree with what you're saying i should diversify but i'm gonna try this just for a little bit longer and he kept doing that and um so, you know, one summer day after a few months, I called him up and, you know, talked to him. And I could tell he was upset. And I asked, I said, well, gee, did I catch it a bad time? You know, he said, no, no, it's okay. He said, but the stock that I have all my money in, you know, that we've been talking about, has stopped trading on the exchange for some reason. Hmm. He was asking me to see if I could find any information about it, you know, right, what's happened right. here, right? And I could tell in his voice he was terrified that he had made a life-changing mistake. And indeed he had, unfortunately. Um, whenever that stock started trading again, I went back and checked on it, and sure enough, you know, some bad information came out about some financing deal that had fallen through with it. And when it started back trading, it was back, it was down 77%. Wow. Um, so his half million dollars was now barely over $100,000. His retirement was never going to be the same. And I believe I follow up with him sometime later. He had sold that stock, and he'd stuck what he had left in a CD. And so, you know, I learned very quickly when I got in this business, diversification is more than just a catchphrase. And that first facet of diversifying into more than one stock is very, very important. Yeah, and I think we've all come across stories like that, Steve. And that is uh, so unfortunate where we run into people like that and those things have happened. You know, the next facet of diversification is to spread your money out into different asset classes. For instance, this is what we mean. Bonds have very little correlation with stocks. Uh, and typically hold up a little bit better during the down markets. So diversifying into fixed income 
is where you get the protection in a down market um, like we're in today. You know, maybe you invest 40% in fixed incomes like bonds and 60% in stock asset classes. But stock asset classes normally all fall together when the market goes down. So if you're in 60% stocks, then your portfolio will be down uh, in that 60% of your, you know, overall holding there. Maybe sometimes it might even be down a little bit more. It might. Uh, you know, however, when markets do begin to recover, that's when the asset classes will, uh, you know, diverge and some will go up much faster than others. And that kind of gives, you know, the fuel to the fire there. So being diversified across a bunch of different asset classes really helps. Yeah, that's right. I mean, see what happens is in down markets, um, small stocks and value stocks and those other asset classes that are perceived to be a little more risky, they tend to fall more than large U.S. stocks right. like the Dow and the S&P. Right. However, when markets start to go back up over time, you can help your returns by investing in asset classes like that that give you a higher return like small and value stocks. And, and that's why it's very important how you have that weighted exactly. as well. That's right. exactly right. Yeah, you got to use a great diversification allocation that that you know mixes that in the right way. And in down markets, though, it's bonds that are going to help protect you from the decline, not stocks. Right. So it's very important you diversify into bonds and fixed income to protect you on the downside. Stocks don't do that for you typically. Um, so the question is, at, back to the question: Has diversification failed us? Absolutely not. I mean, as usual, when markets are down, <clears throat> bonds are your saving grace. Fixed income has held up very well in this down market, so more conservative portfolios are not down nearly as much as the aggressive ones are. Um, and when markets are up, it will probably be something else. It'll be like small stocks, maybe, or internationals. That might be the best asset class. Yes, it is unpredictable as to exactly which asset class is going to be the biggest help in any market. However, history has proven over time, uh, and again, diversification does help protect you in down markets, um, and it help, it, particularly in the bonds, but it helps you to ensure that you get a market return when stocks start back up. Um, but all stocks fall together, typically, in a down market, as we talked about. That's right, and as, you know, as we alluded to earlier, it's not owning just a handful of individual stocks or even a few mutual funds. It's about being spread into you know many different asset classes and owning a representation or a representative sampling of you know thousands of stocks and bonds. It means having eight to ten uh, distinctly different asset classes in your portfolio and making sure that we have that weighted properly. Yeah, that's right, Gordon. It also means having a significant representation in fixed income like bonds, particularly if you're retired or drawing money out of your investments. That's right. Yeah, diversification still works well. It's just not exactly as the way some people think. Um, the bottom line is you want to ensure that you are well diversified to position yourself for the best chance to recover when markets do start back up. And bonds are working exactly the way they should in the down market. They offer valuable protection for conservative assets in your portfolio, and that's where you get the protection in a down market. So the takeaways here are diversification is alive and well. Don't give up on the value of spreading your investments out between many asset classes and securities. You know, make sure that you have 8 to 10 different asset classes represented in your portfolio with thousands of stocks represented. And be patient. Recognize that history shows markets will recover 
and will reward a well-diversified portfolio in time. And and that's just age-old wisdom that's been uh, you know around for thousands and thousands of years that we talk with people about all the time, spreading your risk. Exactly. Okay, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. So the question is, go ahead, Gordon. Question of the week. If I am receiving disability benefits, can I still contribute to my retirement accounts? This is a you know question that we got here recently, and uh, we, we got a little help from uh, a tax friend of ours because it really has two parts to the answer. Yeah, this can be complicated. Okay, it can be complicated. So we wanted to make sure that we were helping these people uh, you know, with the right facts. All right, if you're receiving these benefits from an employer-sponsored benefit plan prior to reaching full retirement age, according to your Social Security status, then the answer is yes, you can still contribute to a retirement account. Both short-term and long-term disability income counts as earned income and can be used toward you know, your IRA or 401k plan if you do have that in, in place. Now, if you have a disability benefit that you purchased as an individual through an, another insurance policy that's separate from your employer, that is not considered earned income. And you cannot use that money to go toward an individual retirement plan. Hmm. And disability benefits uh, being received from Social Security Administration or a state program, they are not considered earned income as well. Okay, so the answer in short then is if you're getting your, your disability benefits from your employer disability program, chances are you can still contribute to Correct. 401K or IRAs. Correct. But, and deduct that, but if you're getting it from a private source of disability income, chances are you're that is not, not eligible. It's not earned income. You can't contribute to your retirement plan off of that income. Correct. So that's a very good question. You know, that's it's and it's interesting because um, you wouldn't think that. Uh, my first impression was nobody would be able to contribute if you were receiving disability benefits because Social Security doesn't count. That, that was my same impression as well, and that was why I really reached out to uh, our CPA friend that helped us out there. Yeah, so if you're getting disability benefits as part of your employment, then uh, keep contributing. And we do recommend highly that you continue to contribute, particularly if you're getting disability because, I mean, you, you know, you, you're not going to have all the years of, of payments like you would or, or amount of money to contribute to a 401K and the matching and all that stuff that you would if you were still working. So there's probably no more important time than, than in that situation to make sure you get money in a Roth account and IRA accounts, fully fund it as much as you can, um, you know, before you get, you get, you know, off on Social Security where right. you can't contribute at all. So great question of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our uh, break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with uh, Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to lead off our next segment here with a new topic, and that is 
the best reward credit cards out there. Now, Gordon, we're not we're not advocating everybody run out and buy everything on credit cards. Not by any means. Certainly not. I mean, we certainly um, still hold to the philosophy that you want to pay cash for everything. Basically, um, we we don't we don't believe in running credit. Having said that, most people have credit cards, and and most people, quite frankly, use credit cards even if they pay them off. They they use them. We certainly think that if you have the discipline to pay off your credit cards, you're you're going to use them. You definitely should pay them off. Um, and you, if you're going to use credit cards, you should try to get some rewards. You should try to get something for your that, money. That and one other tip with credit cards. If you're going to use credit cards, don't ever use any more than you have set aside an emergency fund. Yeah, you know, exactly. that can really over-leverage yourself and put you at danger. That's a good point. That's a good point. So what we're going to talk about here is the best reward credit cards out there because – you know, there are some nice benefits you can get if you have the discipline to pay off your credit cards every month. And if you work that out that way, um, we have 10 choices here for cash back, you know, um, best rewards um, right here on credit cards. Um, you know, the come-ons are tempting. I mean, there are credit cards out that offer 2% cash back on all purchases. Cards that offer 5% or even 6% back on certain spending categories. Cards that offer hundreds of dollars just for signing up and using them for a while. And they're cards that charge 0% for up to 21 months. Well, you know why, don't you? I do. (laughs) I do. It's because most people that use credit cards, they mess up at some point. And they're going to make that money back. And they're going to get that money back. That's exactly right. So you don't want to be one of those people. But, you know, the fine print laden world of credit cards, I mean, even those with desirable features can have pitfalls that you have to be avoid, uh, able to avoid in order to get the full benefits. That's right. So we have the pluses and the minuses here in the best cards in a range of categories with no annual fees. And, you know, assume that all these cards, by the way, are no annual fees. Right. We're only talking about no annual fee cards. But right. here we are with reward cards. Let's go ahead and uh, look at this one. Best for straightforward cash back. Uh, City Double Cash MasterCard uh, offers 2% cash back on all purchases with no caps on how much you can earn back. Rewards can be claimed as a check, statement credit, or even a gift card uh, whenever a $25 reward threshold is reached. Rather than getting uh, 2% back immediately on purchases, cardholders earn 1% on each dollar spent and then another 1% on each dollar when paying the bill. Unredeemed rewards balances uh, expire if additional rewards are not earned, say, uh, for 12 months. So the annual percentage rate uh, on that, you know, varies. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And so, I mean, there's a lot of numbers here. We're not going to go through all the numbers for all these cards. Right, okay. But just in general, I mean, this is the City Double Cash MasterCard. Gives you 2% cash back on all purchases. That's pretty strong. You know, you, hard to beat that. Um, there's also, if it, talk, if it rewards travel is the thing you're after, Right. City Premier, uh, City Thank You Premier MasterCard. I mean, these names really get me sometimes. City Thank You Premier MasterCard. They offer three points per dollar you spend on travel-related expenses, including airfares, trains, hotels, car rentals, gas, toll roads, campgrounds, two points on meals, entertainment, one point on other purchases. The points aren't capped. They do not expire, and they can be redeemed in a lot of different ways, including gift cards. Um, example, for instance, if you spent 1600 
about $1,700 on a round-trip flight in a hotel, you'd get 5,000 points, which would redeem you a $50 Home Depot gift card. That's equivalent to a 3% return. Um, they do have, a, on their Premier card, they do have a $95 annual fee, but it's waived in the first year. Um, and and any time you spend $3,000 in the first three months on the card, you get 50,000 bonus points. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty good benefit. And then, uh, but if gas is the thing you're looking for. That's right. If gas is the way, uh, the thing that you're looking for, then the Penn Fed Platinum Cash Reward Plus Visa. Wow. That's a mouthful as well. Isn't it? You know, pays 5% cash back on gas purchases. Uh, if you join the Pentagon Federal Credit Union, um, join by making a, a donation of as little as $14 uh, to a specific nonprofit and establish another account with PenFed, such as a money market savings account or a checking account with direct deposit and a minimum of $250 uh, in, your, uh, in your account or a home equity line of credit. So it's, <laughs> there's a, a number of different things you have to do here yeah, to kind of get hoops that's here right, for that, that one. you have to jump through. But if you don't, um, if you don't have any of the accounts listed above, you can still get the card, but you only get three percent back uh, on gas, and you must pay a twenty-five dollar annual fee. So, so yeah. So know. I mean, that's that's any station. So five percent cash back on gas purchases. That's pretty good, you know. Um, and then the single brand card. If you were, if you're still talking about gas, they have the Marathon Visa, right? And it pays you twenty a twenty-five percent rebate on each gallon. A marathon gas you charge during months when your total charge is at least a thousand bucks. So that's not a big hurdle for most people. I think they use credit cards. That's a twelve percent discount if gas costs two dollars and fifteen cents a gallon. Um, so that's a pretty good benefit. And then there's fifteen cents cash back. Um, that's seven percent in the months you charge between five hundred and a thousand bucks, or two five cents, which is two <clears> percent. <throat> Benefit basically if you charge less than five hundred dollars, so you can get up to twelve um, percent discount on gas. I mean, twelve percent—that's a pretty good, pretty good benefit. So, alternatively, we have the Chevron Texaco Visa card, um, which deducts three dollars per gallon, which is about a one percent benefit off of your statement when you purchase gas at the Chevron or Texaco stations, plus an additional twenty cents per gallon in months when you spend at least a thousand bucks that's nine percent right there so you know you add those together that's ten percent uh benefit on gas so that's a pretty good benefit as well but if you're looking for groceries there are grocery cards yeah, too aren't there, there there's also some uh, grocery incentive cards as well this one is the blue cash preferred from american express pays you six percent back six um, percent cash back on up to six thousand dollars a year and grocery store spending. That's potential $360 back in a year. And that's more than enough to cover, you know, the $75 annual fee. Cardholders also earn 3% cash back on gas, 1% on most other purchases, and a $100 initial bonus for spending at least $1,000 within your first three months uh, of having the card. So, you know, cash back is received as a statement credit, and it's just applied, you know, to whatever you're your your rolling balance is yeah so six percent back on gas with the blue cash preferred from American that's grocery Express. no that's that's the groceries, groceries. yeah but you but you yeah you do get some incentives there for cash it's three percent so you know they have some pretty good incentives i guess across the board there. yeah six percent yeah cash that, that's pretty good that's pretty good um 
And then, uh, uh, so cards with low interest rates. There are a lot of cards out there with low interest rates. We don't, we don't think you should use cards with. We don't recommend using cards and running a balance where you pay any interest rates. Right. But you know, if you absolutely have a big balance, you're trying to juggle it around and find a card that has low introductory rates for some you know period of time. Um, looks like the best one here is the City Diamond Preferred Visa it has 21 months of zero percent interest rate um and that includes balance transfers so that's pretty good and then there's a simon bank visa platinum that also uh has a low rate um the only seven percent and a quarter percent and then the chase state uh slate i'm sorry chase slate Mm -hmm. has no transfer fee and gives you i think 15 months without any interest so, you know, if you're transferring balances around, you can use one of those type cards and, and you're good for, you know, a year or a year and a half there. Um, and then, uh, you know, cards with special features. There are cards out there that have a lot of different other perks. Um, one of them is the Chase Sapphire Preferred Visa card. It provides you a vast array of perks that are especially attractive uh, now, as many other cards cut back on their perks. So it extends many manufacturing warranties for an additional year, provides coverage up to $500 for items that are stolen or damaged in the first 120 days of ownership. Of course, you have to keep track of what you bought on the card. That's that right. Be any benefit. <laughs> hey, or take pictures of it like you mentioned earlier. Picture pictures are a yeah. good, good way to do that. Good, good point. Here's the one I like. It supplies trip cancellation insurance up to $10,000 per trip. Wow. And lost luggage reimbursement up to $3,000 per passenger to you or your immediate family members, just to name a few of the perks. Now, that is worth a lot if you take trips. No kidding. <laughs> and especially if you lose your luggage, right, Well, Steve? no, like if you go on cruise, yeah, yeah. we've had that happen too, <laughs> you know, and that's a big benefit. So if you go on cruises, you know, you buy trip insurance. A lot of people do that. Right. That costs hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. on a cruise typically and so um you know that's a big benefit if they'll give you free trip insurance you know uh trip cancellation insurance so of course the the devil's always in the details so you want to read the fine print on that absolutely yeah but card holders can earn two points per dollar spent on traveling dining one point on dollars on other purchases fifty thousand bonus points for spending at least four thousand dollars in the first three months um so lots of uh benefits here that's the chase sapphire preferred visa card that trip insurance i think is pretty nice benefit that leads up to our break here but if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages stay with us Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor with Richard Young Associates, along with me, and we are continuing our discussion here, or just kind of wrapping things up here about the best reward credit cards. Reward cards, that's right. Exactly. I mean, there, there are some, again, we're not big advocates advocates of going out and, and using credit cards for everything, but if you have the discipline and you already do that, you might as well get some rewards. And there are some great reward cards out there. I mean, I spend a lot on credit cards, and 
through our business and, you know, get frequent flyer miles. So, you know, personally, I think of the ones we've talked about here, Gordon, the cashback card. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well just get hard, cold cash. Just put it in your hand, right? It's write a check. Pretty, it's pretty hard to be yeah. hard, cold cash. You can spend that anywhere, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty flexible. Yeah. It really is. And we talked about that. The best straight cashback card is called the City Double Cash MasterCard. Gives you 2% cash back on all purchases pretty much across the board. No cap? No cap. And you can just reclaim it as a, as a, as a check or a statement credit. Um, or a gift card, you know, when there's $25 or more. So that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, then there are lots of other cards. We talked about the best gas card is it is PenFed Platinum Cash Rewards Plus Visa. <laughs> Just remember PenFed. That's right, PenFed. And Fed. then the Marathon Visa, if you're okay with a single station, you know. But look for a station near you if that's your thing. That you, If you use one station all the time. You might just look and see what, what reward cards they have. Almost all those big chains have, right. have a reward card that goes with the station. There's a Texaco Visa. And then we talked about cards um, that offer other, other perks, um, like the Chase Sapphire Preferred Visa gives you trip cancellation insurance. That's a pretty big benefit if you're retired and you take a lot of trips and you do cruises and things that you would typically buy insurance for. Um, our long flights, uh, that's a pretty nice benefit. Now, one quick question on this. This may be a 101 question, but trip cancellation, is that if you cancel the trip or if they cancel the trip, if something happens? No, it's if something happens. It's it's if somebody gets sick, okay. you know, or if there's something happens as a storm, like that cruise you were recently that right, they turned right. back okay. because of a storm, something like that happens, um, then they'll cover it. All right. So just to yeah. clarify for our listeners. Exactly. Exactly. So something out of your control. And uh so uh, you know, and then kind of the last one here that we hadn't talked about is the best card for small businesses. There's the Chase Inc. Ch- uh cash visa that offers five percent back at office supply stores and on cell phones, internet bills, up to twenty five thousand dollars spent per year. So mm-hmm. and then two two percent back at a bunch of other stings. So 5%, that's a pretty good benefit. Um, so I like that one as well for people that have small businesses. So that's it for credit cards. Again, you know, we, we, we think um, you don't want to run balances, but it's a great thing to do if you're already using credit cards. Use responsibly. Exactly. Make sure you pay it off in the month. So lots of benefits out there to be had. Okay, that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. And... As we alluded to earlier, our prescription of the week is to take a picture inventory of your home possessions for insurance purposes. All you do is simply walk around your home with your cell phone or your camera, take pictures of each room from all four corners, looking back into the room, along with the other important possessions that you have, download that to your computer, back it up, and about 15 minutes perhaps, maybe 30 if you're slow, and you're done. You have a picture inventory of all your possessions in case something happens and you need to file for insurance. Absolutely, and that can become extremely valuable uh, in the case of an emergency, fire, theft, you know, something like that. That, that That's a huge, huge, great, great prescription. There. It is. I mean, because otherwise you're stuck going back and trying to remember and recreate and dig up old pictures of every possession in your house because you got to list everything if you want to file for insurance if your house burns down or something like that. And and also, if you have a receipt with uh, a special purchase, make sure you include that receipt in uh, the picture the with, with the item as well. 
but pictures are worth a thousand words, right? And thousands of dollars in this case. That's right. So, <laughs> great one. Okay, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that is the seven money lessons we can learn from past presidents. There are some great things here that past presidents have said that relate to finances, and so... Yeah, there, there's yeah. some great sound bites in this one here. So, you know, and, and regardless of your political stance, uh, your opinions on the upcoming um, presidential election... You've got to agree that being the president of the United States is a mostly thank you less job. Um, no matter what you do, at least half the country is going to seem to be in disagreement with you. It's no wonder that most presidents they look like they age, you know, twice as fast during their uh, during their time in office. You know, and this this past week, you know, we had President's Day, and we just wanted to stop for just a moment and look at what a few of our presidents from uh, time past had to say and. Uh, this is this is a great one to start with right here, uh, Steve, George Washington. Yeah, George Washington, what he said was to contract new debts is not the way to pay old ones. Hmm. That's a great phrase. And, yeah, he wrote this truth nearly 240 years ago, but our modern government still doesn't get that, do they? Yeah, I mean, of course, the world would be a different place now if things have changed, but but things have changed. Um, and this one truth, though, about money still stands. You'll never improve your financial situation by robbing Peter to pay Paul. You don't want to take debt and just roll it over, as our government does, into new debt. And drag it along. And drag it along. You want to get that paid off and just, you know, stick to it and pay it off. All right. That's a good one. Thomas Jefferson, he came, uh, he said, never spend your money before you have it. Uh, this advice came from Thomas Jefferson's uh, A Dozen Canons of Conduct in Life. That, now, here, here's the irony of this, is that when Thomas Jefferson actually died, he had a lot of debt. And oh, really? all, Yeah, that was, that was an interesting fact in here. He said, although much of it was inherited from his father-in-law, you know, he still, what he talked about, it actually contributed to killing him there. You know, however, this advice is solid, and it basically sounds like something that you, you might hear on the Dave Ramsey show every single day, you know. So never spend your money before you have it. Yeah, that's a good one. There's another good one here from Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, I love some of his quotes. I have a book of his quotes, and he has some very pithy things. He said here, always bear in mind that your own resolution to succeed is more important than any other one thing. And that is absolutely true. Yeah, it was Honest Abe talking about the uh, about gazelle intensity here. Really focusing. Exactly. After it. Exactly. I mean, we'd like to think so. so. Anyway, if you apply that principle to getting out of debt, then it fits perfectly. If you want to succeed, you'll succeed. If you're just kind of sort of want to succeed, then you'll probably never get out of debt. You'll never find that dream job. You'll never finally write that book. You'll never lose the weight, you know, if you're on a diet. I mean, everybody knows if you're going if you're gonna make something happen, you gotta be serious about it and you gotta be committed to it. That's right. That's a good one. Ronald Reagan, he said, uh, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose your job. Do you want to finish that for us? <laughs> yeah. And the recovery <laughs> is when Jimmy Carter loses his. All right. And so, in our case, it's uh, going to be the current president. <laughs> so, you know, what, what Reagan was actually, this was part of his slogan during the 1980 presidential campaign. And, you know, politics aside, it's, it's pretty funny. But the point and the greater truth here was everyone around us might be in a financial mess, but it really doesn't hit home until it affects you personally. I think that's what he was really trying to drive home there. That's exactly yeah. right. That's a good one. Another one here from John F. Kennedy. 
No matter how big the lie, repeated often enough, the masses will regard it as truth. Wow. Ouch. I mean, how true is that today? We have lies that are being propagated out there in the campaign season and... You know, that's uh, that that's painful. Yeah, that's exactly why our culture has embraced credit cards and debt. You know, we've been sold uh, debt so long that we become to believe it's just a way of life. Um, but if you're taking the Financial Peace University and you figured out that you can live without debt, then you know that it's not just the case that, you know, that it's a way of life. It's not. JFK wasn't talking about debt when he made that statement, but the principle still holds true. Um yeah, you don't want to repeat the lie of debt. Absolutely. Harry Truman, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. You know, that's, Dave always says that, that the average millionaire reads at least uh, one nonfiction book a month. The point that leaders spend time learning and growing is very, very important. You know, reading is an extremely important part of a healthy lifestyle and, and growing more knowledgeable. That's right. And the last one here, Dwight Eisenhower the older I get, the more wisdom I find in the ancient rule of taking first things first, um, a process which often reduces the most complex human problem to a manageable proportion. Was Eisenhower talking about the baby steps, maybe, um, know. you know, for Dave Ramsey's baby steps? Probably not. Um, but the truth is that, quote, can definitely be applied to Dave Ramsey's advice on getting out of debt by tackling your debt in manageable portions. Um, you will allow yourself to win the small battles, and eventually you'll win the war. In other words, you know, getting out of debt. So Taking a, one bite at a time. Exactly. So that's great. Those are some good quotes from past presidents here. But that does bring us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Um, tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Let's do it.